What's up, guys? This is SGR85. Today we're talking about your Super Bowl 56 champion, Los Angeles Rams. Um, I'm recording this Tuesday, August 10th, and I have a lot to say about this team. Given that they're the Super Bowl champs, we've got a lot to cover. We should probably address the Super Bowl itself, and then obviously the entire offseason and the outlook for 2022. So let's just jump right in uh, again. Super Bowl 56 champs. This team went 12-5 and in the regular season, grabbing the fourth seed in the NFC, obviously winning their division out in the NFC West. Um, they went 8-9 and nine against the spread in the regular season, so, you know, not great from a covering standpoint. In the playoffs, uh, they obviously not getting that first round by had to play on wild card weekend. Absolutely dominated the Arizona Cardinals 34 to 11 on that uh, Monday night game on Super Wild Card Weekend. Uh, then they got a W at Tampa Bay. Had to go on the road and beat uh, Tom Brady there. I think the final score 30 to 27. Uh, coming down to the wire, Tampa Bay almost making a comeback there. One of the better playoff games, um, although. Again, really, all the drama was in the last 10 minutes. Um, anyways, they uh, defeated divisional rival San Francisco in the most boring NFC championship game I've ever watched, 20-17. Um, to 17. Just really, that was like, I was kind of over football at that point. I mean, I was on the Chiefs to beat the Bengals, and once the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl, I really didn't care who they were playing because I wasn't excited. That the conference Sunday... That Chiefs game was good, but this one was a stinker. Anyways, let's let's dive into the Super Bowl. I mean, the Rams won 23-20. to And anyone who listened to the Bengals preview probably knows the direction I'm going to go. I also kind of have teased it over the last few episodes. Uh, but this Super Bowl, a um, lot to talk about here. A little fucked up, if you ask me. Um, the final minute 45 of that Super Bowl was pretty tough to watch for me. I really, I'm trying to phrase this without sounding like an absolute lunatic, but it, it, it's looking to me like the NFL and th these referees have far too much control on the outcome these days. And it actually goes into a conversation I was having earlier this week. You know, the NFL recently had just um, made the announcement on social media and publicly that they are going to urge the officials to really stress enforcing um, contact by defenders on, um, you know, passing plays like illegal contact downfield and, uh, penalties of that nature. And this is, this is going to get hairy. Like they're just giving the refs more and more control. I equate it to what we see in the NBA as far as an, an NBA ref can call a foul on almost any given play. Like if you slap someone on the ass, in a way that the ref doesn't like it or like you get your feet tangled up or you look like you almost poked a guy in the eye even though you didn't really like they have so much control to put um these players in positions to just directly influence the outcome of the game these nba refs can also like put two fouls on your center in the first five minutes of the game and make it so you can't play him the entire rest of the first half and just shit like that and it looks more and more like the nfl is going in that direction 
Um, this past postseason, I've talked about, I thought it was just horribly officiated all the way through. All four weeks of the postseason made me sick to my stomach in one scenario or the other. There was at least two games a weekend that I was furious about, and it was really difficult to watch. Um, the Super Bowl itself, now... I want to preface this. There was a huge missed penalty on, I believe, the first play from scrimmage in the second half. That T. Higgins 75-yard touchdown pass, I get it. Uh, the refs had ignored a, an obvious offensive pass interference on T. Higgins, and that led to a Bengals touchdown. So, uh, you guys, I'm just going to get this objection out of the way if you want to make the argument that the Bengals shouldn't have scored shouldn't have had the lead in the final two minutes of the fourth quarter. I think it's a bullshit argument um, that T Higgins touchdown, although it was bogus that there was no penalty on that. It doesn't necessarily guarantee that the Bengals don't score on that drive anyways. You know, like there's, it was early enough in the game with an entire second half to go where there was so many outcomes that could have went different ways where we still could have ended up in the same place at the end of the game with the Bengals um, up uh, 20 to 16 with a minute 47 left. So that's that's the point in the game that I want to talk about here. Minute 47 left. The Rams are in a third and goal from the eight yard line. And the entire game, there's only been four penalties called, two on each teams. With a minute 47 left, there's only been four penalty flags thrown the entire game. And over the next five plays, there's about seven penalty flags thrown. Um, so third and goal from the eight. Absolute bullshit holding call called against a linebacker doing a, just a great job covering Cooper Cup. Like you couldn't have played it better. Uh, the only thing is the ref saw his hand touch Cooper Cup's jersey. So that's a penalty all of a sudden. So... On uh, you know a situation where the Rams would have been facing fourth and goal from the eight-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line, the refs had to bail them out with a horseshit uh, holding call. And then um, the next play, uh, we get a kind of a weird situation here. There's offsetting penalties. So the Rams threw a touchdown pass to Cooper Cup. But one of the refs, I guess, wasn't in on the, on the whole plan here, and he accidentally threw a holding uh, call on one of the Rams' offensive linemen. And so then the refs get together, and they say, well, we can't have that. Like, <clears throat> we can't back the Rams up. Like, we need them to score a touchdown here. So what they do is they call an illegal helmet-to-helmet -helmet on the guy that, like, met Cooper Cup in the end zone, which, like, it's not like he fucking blasted the guy. Helmet-to-helmet helmet is going to happen in the NFL. It wasn't, like, targeting or malicious force. He really didn't get hit that hard. So, again, kind of a bullshit penalty uh, there where uh, things get offset. And so now we're looking at, what is it, first and goal from the two-yard line, and we get a uh, quarterback sneak by Stafford. Then the next play... Um, we get another pass interference call on Cooper Cup in the end zone, which really, again, kind of BS there. So that's, what, three penalties in four plays. 
Then finally on the next play, Cooper Cup scores. So three penalties in four plays after only having four plays in the entire first or four penalties in the entire first 58 minutes. It just seemed to me like the refs only decided to throw the yellow flags when they could directly influence the outcome of the game. Like literally put the Rams on the free throw line with the clock expiring. Like what the fuck, man? So you ask me, why would they do this? Well, the NFL's been trying to grow the brand of football in Los Angeles for the last fucking six, seven years, ever since they moved the Rams out there. It's absolutely transparent. It's right in front of my face here. Back-to-back years, a, a rising team grabbing the headlights with a, with a veteran quarterback wins the Super Bowl in their own stadium. It's just too perfect of a script. It's too convenient that no team had won the Super Bowl in their home stadium for the first fucking 54 years of the goddamn Super Bowl. And now we get it twice in a row. The whole shit happening, the the Rams winning a Super Bowl in L.A. You don't think that the NFL fucking loves having Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon and fucking Doja Cat in the stands? At these games, you don't think that they want that PR, that revenue. They're t- it's the Showtime Lakers, man. It's like, it's not the cool thing to go to the Lakers game anymore. You go to the Rams game. That's where you want to be seen. That's what's in. That's what's cool. That's what's going to make the NFL the most amount of fucking money. So you guys can tell I'm a little heated up on this. It's been 10 minutes and we haven't even dove into the preview. So sorry about it. This is going to be a longer episode. This shit Um, Again, with the NFL now giving the refs even more control by stressing the illegal contact downfield. They did, uh, how do you play defense in the NFL anymore? How do you beat how do you play linebacker or defensive back knowing that you can't hit guys in the helmet? You can't hit guys beneath, below the knee. You know, you can't land on the quarterback. Um, there's essentially a strike zone smaller than the fucking baseball strike zone here to tackle a guy these days. And over the last, what, 15 years, with every offseason having more and more rule changes limiting the defender's ability to play fucking football, there has been one rule that's come out um, to kind of uh, take away from the offensive capabilities. And that rule was uh, the fact that the running backs are no longer allowed to lead with the crown of their helmet and initiate contact with defenders. Let me ask you guys, how many fucking times have you seen that penalty called since they put that rule in? Because I can think of one time, maybe, and it was the first year that they did it just to kind of say, hey, we're calling this now, which is what they're going to do with the fucking illegal contact, except that shit's going to get out of control because it's basically all fucking subjective and they have way too much power in their hands. What I'm saying is you can't play defense anymore, and the refs can pick and choose, basically, when to give teams first downs now. Makes me sick. I hope Roger Goodell's happy that, you know, now people give a shit about football in L.A., kind of. Good for you guys. So, last few things about the Super Bowl on, like, a less angry note, I guess, as we kind of try to work forward into this preview um real quick thought it was funny if you guys remember Deshaun Jackson requested a trade away from this team halfway through the season then they went to win the Super Bowl turns out he is actually getting his ring which is uh uh weird to me I mean he basically quit on this team so I don't really understand 
how that works. Um, but he's still getting one, so good for you, Djax. Kind of a bitch-made move. Um, also, Super Bowl Parade was a uh, <laughs> fucking joke because, again, nobody cares about football in L.A., so they're trying to grow a fan base there. The thing about Los Angeles is that, like, everybody in L.A., like, nobody was born in L.A. People move to L.A. People migrate from all over the country. So, like, you can meet a Bills fan in L.A. You can meet a fucking Packers fan in L.A. Like, they move into that city. So there's no, like, hometown, homegrown, I grew up rooting. And also, these teams weren't even in Los Angeles when most people were kids. So it's like... They have to wait for the children in at Los Angeles right now to grow up and become NFL fans over the next 20 years for anybody to give a fuck about the Rams or the Chargers, honestly. Like, I don't know what they expect, but it's like nobody gives a shit about the Rams or the Chargers in terms of loyalty these days. Um, and they're trying to change that clearly by throwing some success their way. Um, but yeah, the Super Bowl parade... Again, nobody cared, and I thought it was funny because this team didn't even fucking deserve it. I talked about how the Bengals didn't deserve to get to the Super Bowl. Well, the Rams didn't deserve to win the Super Bowl. It was just a whole clusterfuck in the playoffs. Um, then this offseason, they went and spent a billion dollars. This team somehow just continues to pull money out of their ass. So I guess it's a good time to kind of talk about it and jump into some shit. Um... Last year, the offense was tied for 7th in points per game, 27.1. 9th in yards per game, 372.1. Sean McVay's offense is very good. Uh, they finally moved on from Jared Goff, got a real quarterback in there. It's not surprising that this team was good last year. The defense was 15th in points per game, 21.9. 17th in yards per game, 344.9. Their turnover margin was 13th in the league at plus 2. Nothing really crazy there. Um, the defense... Is I thought it was better. It's surprising that it was kind of middle of the pack. I think it was the uh, top defense in the NFL in 2021, little or excuse me, 2020. So a little bit of a step back last year. Uh, they lost defensive coordinator Brandon Staley. So I guess when you do have turnover at the DC, um, that's a thing that might happen. We'll see if they can get back to form this year. Um, coaching changes, new offensive coordinator um, Liam Cohen. He was a college football coach from 2010 to 2017, and he's been on this. Uh, he was on this Rams staff from 2018 to 2020 as an offensive uh, assistant. He was the offensive coordinator at University of Kentucky this past season, and now he's back with the Rams as a uh, a spot of of uh, a spot as their OC has opened up this offseason. I was trying to remember who their old OC was. And I know it's someone we did recently on one of these previews, but guys, I'm like 19 or 20 teams deep, and my head is fucking spinning right now, so I can't remember. Um, let's talk personnel. Key losses for this team. Uh, they traded away Robert Woods this offseason for a sixth-round pick to the Titans. He's no longer gone. You know, he got injured last year, and they traded for OBJ the same week. So they didn't really miss a step there, and it kind of went under the radar. But Robert Woods has been a great player for this team for years. He's gone. OBJ also they have not re-signed yet since tearing his ACL in the second quarter of the Super Bowl. Um, he still remains a free agent, so it's a possibility he comes back, but right now not on the roster. And uh, some rumors of him possibly being recruited to other teams like the Bills right now. Von Miller's been tweeting at him this week. 
excuse me, guys. Um, as far as personnel, Von Miller, I just mentioned, he's no longer on this team. They traded for him halfway through last season. He went and got his second ring and then signed with the Bills. Cornerback Darius Williams is a big loss to me. Not many people know his name, um, but he was uh, kind of that second corner for this team the last two years. <clears throat> he left. Offensive guard Austin Colbert. Defensive tackle Sebastian Joseph. Outside linebacker Ogbenia Okoronkwo. Sorry, guys. Okoronkwo. Uh, running back Sony Michelle. Uh, tight end Johnny Munt. Linebacker Troy Reeder. And punter Johnny Hecker are gone. Hecker, probably the best punter in the league. Uh, he's on the Panthers now. Um, who did they bring in this offseason? Not many names, but two big ones. Linebacker Bobby Wagner came over from the Seahawks, and wide receiver Allen Robinson came over from the Bears. Also, punter Riley Dixon is Hecker's replacement. That's it as far as the key additions in free agency. They didn't really need to add a whole lot of bodies to this team. Obviously, Super Bowl winners, tons of talent, tons of offensive firepower. Um, they replaced that Robert Woods slash OBJ role with Allen Robinson, and we'll talk about him in the fantasy breakdown at the end of the episode. Coming off a bad year in Chicago, but he's looking good in training camp right now. So um, not only did they do all that, they got some in-house work done as far as some extensions and some re-signings. A couple of the smaller names for depth, wide receiver Brandon Powell and outside linebacker Traven Howard uh, have been re-signed. And then they also, um, there was some talk about Aaron Donald possibly retiring after the Super Bowl. I didn't really see that being a thing. Uh, but they, yeah, they extended him three-year, $95 million extension, fully guaranteed, uh, $25 million signing bonus, highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history, only player to have... 30 plus or 30 mil plus in salary that's a non-qb um also cooper cup got the bag three-year 80 million dollar extension 20 million signing bonus so his total deal is a five-year 110 million dollar deal um considering the last two years he has on his current contract so they gave uh massive money to donald cup stafford uh Robinson and Wagner all within the last like eight months. I don't know where they're getting it. Um, it really, I do know where they're getting it. I don't really want to dive into it because this episode's going to be long, but it's a whole cash over cap situation. It's basically just coming straight from the owner's pockets and then they're delegating it in terms of uh, count, count, counting it as incentives and signing bonuses and stuff so it doesn't stick to the salary cap. It's really it's an advantage that some teams are using right now to absolutely abuse uh, the free agent market, and then other teams just haven't figured it out yet. So it uh, looks like the Rams, the Bucks, you know, the Saints, some of these teams that have cracked the code are just going to continue to stack their rosters until the rest of the league catches up. Also, some owners just don't want to pay, you know, like... What's his name? Cronky, Stan Cronky out in L.A. He's willing to cut the check. We've seen it. He just built this team a $6 billion stadium. Um, so, and the Rams, I think, Rams are like the second or third most valuable franchise in the NFL right now, which has shot way up over the last X amount of years. Again, what did we talk about for the first 10 minutes of this fucking episode? Bottom line is cash for the NFL, cash and PR. They want to look good publicly. They want to save face. They don't want to get canceled or protested or hashtagged, right? And they want to make as much money as possible. Um, okay, let's talk about the draft. 
this is a team that constantly just ships off uh, draft assets for proven veterans. Um, they don't have much draft capital because they uh, they went and got Matt Stafford last offseason. And um, I'd say it was worth it. I don't really need a first round pick when you give me a veteran Pro Bowl quarterback and a Super Bowl. Don't give a fuck about whatever rookie we're going to take in four months. Don't care. Um, so the, the draft <clears throat> for this team, uh, round three, offensive guard Logan Bruss out of Wisconsin. Round four, cornerback Dakobe Durant out of, the, out of uh, South Carolina State. And round five, running back Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame. I mentioned Kyron because um, – He's a guy that was expected to go earlier, potential second, third round pick, and then he had a horrible combine and dropped quite a bit in the process, but a lot of people like his film quite a bit. Um, okay, let's talk schedule. Let's get into what this team is going to look like. I'm trying to keep it moving for you guys, and I'm trying not to get too bogged down on the whole conspiracy theory thing, but it's all I can think about right now. The Rams have a, the t- 31st. Uh, strength of schedule here guys they have the second hardest schedule only to the chiefs with a harder schedule and it is fucking stacked i will tell you this um the schedule let's let's roll through it they have the chargers texans Bengals in the preseason interesting the super bowl teams rematching in that final preseason game regular season opening kickoff thursday night at home against the bills i have already taken the bills minus one and a half in that game the rams are going to lose their opening kickoff uh game on banner night at home I hope this L.A. market burns to the fucking ground. Um, Okay, Rams 0-1 after a loss to the Bills. Then they got the Falcons, Cardinals, 49ers, Cowboys. Panthers, 49ers again. Buccaneers, Cardinals. Saints, Chiefs. Seahawks, Raiders. Packers, Broncos. Chargers, Seahawks. So, Seahawks twice. I'll count it as a win. Let's see. Let's say they maybe go four and two in the division. I don't know. Maybe they split with the 49ers. Maybe they split with the Cards. Maybe they do better than that. But let's just be a little conservative. Um, only real easy wins here: Seattle twice, Atlanta, and maybe the Panthers here, and then everybody else. Kind of dogs here. Competitive teams: Packers, Bucks, uh, the entire AFC West. Uh, the Saints, the 49ers twice, the Cowboys. It's not going to be easy. The Bills. <coughs> So again, second hardest schedule in the league, according to a lot of sources. Win total is 10 and a half. I got to get a drink, guys. <clears throat> little dry here today. Uh, the win total is 10 and a half. Over-unders minus 110 on both sides. And I have trouble taking an over here. I won't do it. I'm not going to really <clears throat> um, pick against this team too strong, but like I won't have action on it. I'm not going to sit here and just ride the fence the whole time. But that schedule's too tough. Also, I want to bring up, you know, Matt Stafford, if you guys aren't paying attention, there's some pretty fucking concerning news with his elbow right now. And if Matt Stafford misses significant time, this Rams team is not going to be good. The backup QB is John Wolford, and I don't have much faith in him. Stafford right now reports are that he's got thrower's elbow. That's what they're calling it. I've never heard of it before, but apparently what it is, two more common injuries. Everybody's heard of tennis elbow, right? And then there's this thing called golf elbow, I guess, from from working your swing repetitively. So one of them is the inside portion of the elbow as far as ligaments and tendons and shit. I'm not a doctor. And then the other injury is the uh, outside part of the elbow, 
right? So I think tennis is the inside of the elbow and then golf is the outside of the elbow. Thrower's elbow is when you got both of them at the same fucking time. So that doesn't sound good, right? Like tennis elbow, I know already is bad. Some people are comparing it to like a possible Tommy John surgery. They're saying, you know, they're, they're talking to baseball, you know, arm relief consultants and fuck it they're treating him like a pitcher you know like a pitcher's injury and that's a lot of torque on the elbow like that's not a good situation so i guess like as the days go on i'm starting to really think people are not talking about that enough as a realistic thing that might if the rams are out of i think they're out of conversation without stafford right like completely the only real qb out there they could get is jimmy g the 49ers aren't going to trade him in the in the division maybe they call philly up for gardner Minshew. that would be fun but what i'm it's a huge linchpin it's a huge domino for not only the division and the conference but the entire fucking league we're talking about the super bowl champs here and Stafford is a massive question mark if that elbow is a real issue. So I want to throw that out there. If you <clears throat> have a medical degree and you know what's going on with Stafford and you think that you can beat the market to it, or you have any side of inside information, maybe you're fucking Kelly Stafford's best friend and, and she's telling you when you're having your wines at night that, hey, Maddie's not, too, not feeling too good. You know, I, take the under if you really don't have faith in it, but... They're, uh, they're the favorite to win their division out in the NFC West. And again, I think it's a situation if you want to fade this Rams team, go ahead and jump those, uh, those 49ers to take this division. I feel very confident the 49ers finish second in this division if the Rams win it. I like them quite a bit over the Cardinals and obviously not much optimism about the Seahawks this year. So, plus 125 to win the division. You can still get them at plus money if you just think this Rams team is solid as fuck and you don't like, you know, the prospect of Trey Lance. I guess that's kind of what the decision comes down to. Odds to win the conference are plus 500. I believe they're the third favorite, I, maybe second. Um, Bucks, Packers, Rams, definitely top three. Uh, odds to win the Super Bowl, 11 to 1. Last year, I think they were 12 to 1 around this time. Not much change. Still, I think top five odds, fifth, fifth highest odds, I believe, for this team. It makes sense. I mean, if Stafford's there, they're going to be in the playoffs and they're going to be competitive. And fuck, if Roger Goodell wants uh, LA to win back-to-back -back Super Bowls, would it surprise me? Absolutely not. If you're asking me, the Bucks will probably win the Super Bowl because they want Brady to go out on top. He'll probably play the Bills because wouldn't it just be a, a fantastic storyline? Can't you see the, the headlines already? Tom Brady meets his old AFC East foe in the Super Bowl. You know, the Josh Allen versus Tom Brady. Will it be a passing of the torch or will the GOAT go out on top? This shit writes itself. It's pro-fucking-wrestling. You could, you could hire me to write these storylines. Um, <laughs> this is a bad episode. This is just bad. The Rams' odds to make the playoffs, yes, minus 270, no, plus 200. Plus 200 is pretty sweet if you got, you know, again, some insider tips on that Matty Stafford elbow. It'd be, uh, if I was Matt Stafford's doctor, I'd try and get on that for sure. That's like having the fucking sports almanac there. So that's, a, that's about uh, the breakdown here. I'm not going to have really any investments on this team, especially with the injury concern. Even if, it's, um, even if Stafford's good to go, I'm just not crazy about the value on any of these um, futures. 
and with the schedule being difficult, ten and a half wins is just a little. I'm not really looking to take any teams over that like ten mark. The highest I'll go this year, I think, is ten. I'm not really looking to take anything over ten and a half. I've grabbed a couple eight and a halfs and nine and a half so far. Uh, my favorite uh, win total at I think like the highest um, rate would be the I think the Ravens and the Eagles are both at nine and a half. Broncos too I think are at nine and a half right now. They dropped from ten when we did our Broncos preview. So I think those are like the highest totals I'm willing to take. But anything at the 10 and a half, just I think that the the league is so competitive right now, to be honest. There's a lot of just absolutely juiced teams. And I think that the, the middle ground of the NFL is such a fucking wild card. There's a lot of those teams right on the bubble that I'm not willing to take many teams to go over 11 wins this year. So... Yeah, that's where I'm at. Let's talk fantasy for this team. Let's keep it moving here. Let's assume that Matt Stafford is healthy. We can't project injury. I did. I gave my two cents on the whole situation there, but um, let's let's predict this team with a healthy Matt Stafford. Um, Stafford. Well, yeah. Let me get you guys the honorable mentions. Uh, it's QB John Wolford. Um, running back Kyron Williams, I mentioned wide receiver Tutu Atwell is the fourth receiver on the depth chart and tight end Kendall Blanton is the second tight end. The guys I'm going to talk about here, QB Stafford, two running backs, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, three receivers, Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson, and the tight end Tyler Higby. Uh, so Stafford being drafted 99th overall QB 11 this year after finishing QB five last year. Um, was being drafted at 81 overall QB 10. So after winning the Super Bowl and finishing QB 5 on the season last year, we're seeing Stafford being dropped almost two rounds, drafted two rounds later than last year, which is interesting. I will say he played a full season and was only QB 11 in points per game. But I think that makes sense to me because in my opinion, and I know we just talked about his elbow, but... Outside of the elbow, Stafford's not really a guy that's going to put himself in many situations to be injured, right? Like, he doesn't really run a lot. He can run a little bit if he has to, but that's not really his game. He's pretty good about getting that ball out. You know, he makes good decisions. So it's not surprising that he would stay healthy when some other guys... I mean, Lamar Jackson got injured. He's a mobile QB. Um, You know, that's just one example off the top of my head. Some guys take more hits. Some guys, you know are running more Jalen Hurts missed two games <clears throat> stuff like that happens <clears throat> so sorry about my throat today guys uh Stafford has the 24th uh schedule for fantasy none of these guys have great schedules QB 24 schedule running backs 27th wide receivers 26th tight end is 16 I'm not drafting Higby though this year and you shouldn't either spoiler alert so Stafford, as far as consistency last year, I mentioned QB5 on the year 11 in points per game. Finished top six, 35% of his games, ninth ranked in consistency in top six finishes. Uh, top 12 finished 59% of his games. That was eighth most consistent. Not bad. Um, never busted outside of the top 24 QBs. So he was a QB2, 41% of his games. Again, you know, that's a little bit higher than you want. I mean, eighth in top 12 finishes is not bad. You wanted a little bit better, but um, there were certain games where I, I think the running game just kind of took over, and it was a situation where he just he didn't throw many touchdowns. So 
I'm in on Stafford if he's healthy, but that's the main concern, and I don't want to sit here and play ifs and buts all day. But just pay attention to it because we still got about three weeks until most fantasy drafts, and it's going to be a thing to monitor here. If it turns out that his elbow is good to go, like I, I need some serious assurance to be honest in that at this point. I think he's a guy that if we don't have more clarity on the situation and it's still a question mark, I'm just taking him off my draft board because you can get other guys. But I do think that he represents a value. If um, if we get you know optimal Matt Stafford this year, his draft price at 99 overall in QB 11 are just uh, misvalued. I think in my opinion, he should be going as like maybe QB 8 or so. I think that's more fair given the the... The firepower of this offense so i am interested in stafford but we gotta pay attention to that elbow let's talk running backs really weird situation here cam Akers, one of the more polarizing players in fantasy football this year um he's being drafted 34th overall running back 17 after missing almost the entire regular season last year he tore his achilles july 19th last summer and then still made it back to play in week 17 of the season that's nuts. It's like a historic medical miracle that we haven't seen before as far as a player being able to make that quick of a turnaround from an Achilles tear. That being said, he was not good in his return. He was very inefficient. In the four playoff games, he totaled 67 carries, 172 yards, and zero touchdowns. That's 2.6 yards a carry. He was super inefficient. He did not look explosive. However, that's only like five, six months removed from an Achilles tear. It's incredible that he was even able to come back and play. And the fact that he was able to return, hopefully that means that this year he is like legit 100% ready to go right now. So again, it's a situation where unless you're a doctor, your guess is kind of as good as mine. But there's, there's certainly opportunity here. Cam Akers is going to be the starter if he's healthy here and if he can show that he's back to 100%. Daryl Henderson hasn't overly impressed me in his time. He's been okay. He was actually better for fantasy last year than I remember once we take a look at his numbers here in a second. But Akers, clearly, <clears throat> this team wants him to be the starter. I really liked him in the combine uh, when he came out, I believe, in 2020. He, in my opinion, I think he had the best combine out of any of the backs. 2019, maybe, for Cam? I can't remember, but... Um, I remember him having great hips. I loved his elusiveness in the drills. Very smooth at the combine for me. Um, Henderson, not a bad player again, but I just have not been overly impressed with his athleticism. He's looked solid, though, and the running back in this offense is a valuable piece for fantasy. I mean, we've seen Todd Gurley just absolutely dominate in this offense, and we've seen a handful of backs, including Henderson last year, finish um, – with decent production. So Henderson this year being drafted 134 overall and the RB 47, he was being drafted last year at the back end of the sixth round as the RB 25. Actually finished running back 27 last year because he got a bulk of the carries with Akers missing the season. He was also splitting time with Sony Michelle last year. So uh, Henderson only played 12 games, still finished RB 27. He was RB 22 in points per game. Again, I didn't remember him being that good, but he actually was pretty solid last year. So it's a situation where you can see that there can be top 20 production from the Rams running back. And 
you know, Cam Akers going at 17, I mean, that's pretty fair. If you think Cam's going to be healthy, then yeah, that's very fair draft cost. There's just a little bit of risk baked in with that ACL tear. So Henderson last year, top 12 back, 16.7% of his games, 38th ranked top 12 finishes. But he was an RB, uh, RB2, that's 13 through 24 on the week, 41.7% of his games. That was the fourth highest rate as an RB2 finish. So that put him in the top 24, 58% of the time. It was 19th ranked in terms of top 24 finishes. Not bad. Uh, finished an RB3, 8.3% of his games. Busted outside the top 36, 33.3. Again, you know, Sony Michelle competing for carries. It makes sense. You can see, though, you know, top 24 back is pretty much guaranteed. Basically, top 20 back is guaranteed in this offense. So whoever's got the job, valuable piece. Um, let's talk receivers. Cooper Cup broke fantasy football last year. He's being drafted about fourth or fifth overall, depending on your league format and what league you're in here. Uh, obviously, the first receiver drafted. Um, he just absolutely fucking crushed last year after being drafted in the fourth or fifth round wide receiver 19 on average. Played a full season wide receiver one, like I said. Let's just... Let's just look at the stats, because this shit is a just work of art. 145 receptions, which is second most in NFL history, behind only Michael Thomas a few years ago. 1,947 receiving yards. Again, second most in NFL history. 16 touchdowns in the regular season. Triple crown winner. Led all four major receiving categories. Also went on to be the Super Bowl MVP, having eight catches, 92 yards, and two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. This guy, <clears throat> incredible route runner, clearly has a mind meld with Matt Stafford. If you guys don't know, they go to breakfast every morning together. They like became best friends as soon as Matt Stafford came over there. So um, it's something that we maybe should have seen coming, not in terms of the incredible uh video game numbers but in terms of him being the number one pass catcher for this team i guess in hindsight yeah makes some sense i've been a big believer in cup i've you can't ever predict a guy to go for almost 2000 receiving yards it's ungodly unless you're like randy moss or calvin johnson like it really doesn't happen a whole lot and cup <laughs> let's be real doesn't look anything like those guys but um, he's, he's super crafty. He's probably the best route runner in the NFL. He just understands how to get open. He's got that uh, chemistry with his quarterback. If you guys don't remember, he tore his ACL like two, three years ago. And actually, I, I heard this um, little nugget about him. In his rehab process, he actually retrained himself on proper running form. He uh, modified his running technique to become more aerodynamic and more efficient with his you know, steps and his fucking power and everything. And he actually got about two miles per hour faster during his ACL rehab. Insane. Never heard anything like it. The guy got faster after he joined the NFL. Um, yeah, he's being drafted super early. He's, I'm, a, I'm looking at it kind of like an Antonio Brown situation where, you know, for four or five straight years, you could take Antonio Brown in the top five of, of your fantasy drafts and you just felt really safe with it. It's not a guarantee that Cup finishes the wide receiver one this year. It's not a guarantee that he has 16 touchdowns again. Maybe the touchdowns get spread out a little bit more, you know, maybe with more consistency at the wide receiver two position with Allen Robinson instead of kind of, 
you know, Robert Woods, OBJ, Van Jefferson, Deshaun Jackson, Tutu Atwell kind of spreading around maybe, um, you know, I'm just saying maybes, but I mean, Cup's super safe. Listen to this consistency. Uh, top 12 finish 82.4% of the time. Um, finished a wide receiver to 11% of the time because he was always top 12. So top 24 finish in 94% of his games. He fell outside of the top 24 once last year, guys. Once. Once. Insane. Insane. And then two games outside of the top 12. So he gave you fucking 14 out of 17 games as a top 12 receiver. Insane. Cheat code in PPR leagues. You guys know to draft Cooper Cup. Let's move on. Robert Woods is the real question mark here. Absolute stinker of a year last year in Chicago, but I don't think anybody could have really done a whole lot there. I say that, and then I realize Darnell Mooney actually had a decent season in terms of, you know, what the situation was. Robinson just looked checked out, probably injured all last year. There was, you know, there was rumors of the whole injury situation, kind of lingering reports on and off. Um, only played 12 games, so he did miss some time with injury, but absolute disappointment last year. He's being drafted 59 overall wide receiver 24 this year as he comes into a much better situation. Being drafted 38 overall wide receiver 13 last year and finishing wide receiver 81, 86 in points per game. Man, there's not even any consistency to go over because Allen Robinson didn't even crack the top 24 last year in a single game. He busted outside of the top 36, 92%. So he had one game inside the top 36 receivers. I got to be honest, I don't care. I think A-Rob could be very good for fantasy this year. Again, let's assume Stafford's healthy. There's clearly room in this offense for two wide receivers to be sustained uh, for fantasy relevance. Cooper Cup, again, super dominant, but everybody needs another guy on the opposite side. Allen Robinson has looked great in training camp, so I think it's just a situation where he was injured last year and he clearly just was checked out in Chicago. I would have Chicago fucking sucks, guys. I told you they're going under their six and a half wins, but they were a dumpster fire last year and they're a dumpster fire this year. Robinson in the best situation of his career, best quarterback of his career. He's only 28 years old. He's he, people think he's like over the hill. He's still theoretically in his athletic prime. So I think there's a lot of upside to Robinson this year. I'm actually I'm willing to take the gamble. I think that he can be very very good. Um, as a you know top 20 receiver that you can get at the average draft cost of wide receiver 24 this year. So I like it. I like it. Um, I think you're getting a discount because of the bad year last year. I think if he hadn't had such a dog shit year last year, Robinson's going maybe second or third round, like ahead of where Robert Woods used to be drafted because he's, in my opinion, a better receiver than Robert Woods. And then the last guy here, Van Jefferson, in terms of the receiving core, you know, we don't have to spend too much time. He's the deep threat. You know, he stepped really into that third receiver role once Deshaun Jackson requested his trade from this team last year just to go play for the Raiders. Um, Jefferson not really being drafted this year, wide receiver 71, not being drafted last year either as it was super vague uh, on the depth chart who was going to really emerge. He's clearly the third best receiver on this team if they don't bring back OBJ. Uh, again, deep threat specialist, kind of inconsistent guy. He did have a couple boom weeks, a couple deep uh, deep touchdowns last year. Um, finished the wide receiver 36, actually, in fantasy. 17 games played. Wide receiver 55 in points per game. 
and we'll look at the consistency again. Boomer bust. Okay, he finished top 12, 11.8%. That's good for two games. Um, he finished top 24, 35.3%, which was actually the 19th most consistent top 24 finish. Really not bad at all. Um, again, 19th ranked wide receiver two finish at 23.5%. Uh, and then outside of that, he busted outside the top 36, 58% of the time. So again, boomer bust. He depends on the big play. He depends on the deep ball. Um, you know, I don't know if you can really rely on him to be consistent this year either. Good guy for best ball situations and a guy to check on your waiver wire if anything happens, you know, to Robinson or Cup in terms of injury. I'm not really looking at him though. And then Tyler Higby, I'm not interested in either. Tight end, uh, being drafted 163 overall, tight end 19. Last year, 114 overall, tight end 12. Finished tight end 14. 15 games played, 15th in points per game last year as a tight end. Only finished top six once. Top 12 finish, 46% of his games. That's the 12th highest rank. So on average, you know, he's coming into that tight end 12 through, uh, excuse me, tight end seven through 12 in half of his games, and then he's busting the rest of the time. He's not giving you elite week winning top six upside. And, you know, I know that there's 10 or 12 guys in a fantasy league, but realistically there's only five or six good tight ends for fantasy on any given week. I don't want the guy that's coming in 10th every week. No, thanks. We've seen Higby on this team for multiple years, do absolutely nothing in this offense. I'm just not interested. Let's not waste our time on him. Let's wrap it up, guys. I actually increased the pace quite a bit. We moved pretty fast here throughout that back 35 minutes after getting really bogged down on the Super Bowl. You guys can tell how I feel about this shit. The Super Bowl is awesome. Like, it's my favorite thing to bet all year. And when you see shit just play out like that it's really disappointing this Rams team will be good if they stay healthy yet again 13th ranked offensive line uh Sean McVay's one of the best coaches in the league the offensive firepower is there they brought in Bobby Wagner on defense I mean there's a lot here let's watch that elbow let's pay attention you know let's keep reading the reports so let's do uh let's do the Arizona Cardinals tomorrow we'll continue to move through this NFC West um, we've only got three divisions to go guys. And then those pesky Browns. So, uh, we'll continue to move forward. Thank you guys for listening and ramble on.